Hey, welcome listeners. Another episode of Unverified Accounts for you. I'm Chris, here with the usual group. Liza, how's it going? Hey. And Philip. What's up, Philip? Hey, 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 what's up? All right, Philip, well, we were just discussing right before. It's been about a week or so, right, since the election. Mm -hmm, How's mm -hmm. how's everyone Mm -hmm. doing? Uh, I'm back to my usual, just watching a ton of movies and reading a lot again. Just consuming, just entertainment. I'm I'm mentally well. It feels like, I mean, I'm just looking forward to like Trump not being in the news, you know. I know we're like months away from that, but like it feels like people are starting to talk a bit more about Biden, a bit less about Trump now. So it's kind of nice. He is starting to fade. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think he, I think in like a recent, you know, he had his like first public appearance where he, uh, talked about like the vaccine and stuff. And then at that point he made some mention about like, you know, who knows who's going to be in, you know, office by January. So he's, he's pretty much, I think, conceded at this point, like not officially, but. But Philip, when you said that, uh, you know, you're glad to see Trump not in the news, but deep down, I think in, in the darkest of our dark hearts, we are going to kind of miss seeing him on the news all the time with his, with his crazy shit. Obviously most of the stuff he did was terrible and it's good riddance, but I think it's gonna it's gonna feel weird when he's gone because you mean, it, it, you mean it like the, such a, you mean like the jokes aspect of it like the haha funny funny yeah dumb just, shit just a ridiculous <laughs> uh, farce of his presidency and his antics. Um, I I think it's gonna be like I don't know if you had like a really horrible family member maybe like like a like a grandfather or something who whom you know everyone kind of hated but then he passes away it just feels weird like oh my god yeah because because he was he'd be the guy who like generated all the stories that you would tell exactly. your like, like the friends only thing afterwards brought- about. <laughs> That made you feel like you you know you're something special because you're like oh my grandpa's so racist and I, I can even speak I can speak out against my grandpa like that kind of situation. No, yeah, that's a perfect analogy because like let's say you went to a horrible family reunion that nobody really feels connected to, but the one thing that brought everyone together is how much they hated that grandfather. But now that he's gone, <laughs> everyone's just like, okay, uh, why are we here anyway? Yeah, I feel strangely empty. Uh, when I uh, you know after Trump won back in 2016. I one of the things I thought of doing was buying like a, a cardboard cutout of Trump so that I could <laughs> burn it in effigy when I when he would hopefully lose in four years. My only uh, qualms with that is if anyone saw that in my apartment, yeah, they would think I was a Trump supporter. How would I explain it? And I didn't want to have to explain it. Uh, Give but away your plans, uh, right? But no, it's like as we talked about in the last pod, all the celebrations just They'll made feel emptier. They'll bring him emptier. back though. They'll bring him back because the media, like at this point, they like. They're they're gonna get too scared. Like they can't survive without him. Yeah, Eliza, your your IG stories were, was blowing up recently, right? Uh, you want to talk got more about that? Out, yeah, I got kicked out of, of IG um, two days ago because of just unusually high engagement. Is that a, <laughs> is so, is that, a, is that a humble brag? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, 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 did, what did you post? It did so well. I no, mean, I was, I was annoyed that I couldn't get in there anymore to look at it, even because. Uh, so usually, I'll you know I, I get like a couple hundred um, in my uh, Instagram stories, and then this time mm-hmm. it went like over a thousand for the Instagram oh, stories because there's so much engagement and like people looking at them. Uh, so um, this week's or a couple days ago, I put up a stories poll about their favorite conspiracy theories. And um, I said that my personal fave right now is the one about how Puff had Biggie and Kim Porter killed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I got some interesting responses. Uh, A lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. um, A lot of people believe uh, in aliens and UFOs over at area 51 and area 52. 
Mm-hmm. I believe in aliens, but I don't know if I believe in UFOs. Uh, but cool. that's my stance. Didn't the Pentagon put something out on Twitter like a couple like like a couple months ago where they basically verify UFOs? Um, possibly. I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I mean, long story short, I think the chances of a, of an alien race being uh, advanced enough to see us, but you know, not, it's like the Drake equation. Like, are, are they still? you know, haven't destroyed themselves. Well, I think the chances are very slim, but I definitely think there has to be aliens, but UFOs, I'm still not sold on. <laughs> I'm sold on both. <laughs> All right. But that's a popular one. The mattress firm one is probably my other favorite conspiracy theory. That, yeah, I think you posted um, that on Twitter, right? That they're a money laundering front. Yeah. So the, the reason that there's this theory about mattress firm is that there's like, so Apparently, there's like almost as many mattress firm stores as there are Starbucks, but like they are always empty. They occupy prime real estate in major cities. Um, I think that in one city, there's like 11 mattress firms within like a a one square mile. Um, And then also like nobody, like no one's ever in them. And like people don't buy mattresses that often. They're like a grudge purchase, you know, like nobody wants uh-huh. to do it. Like no one, they're expensive. Like you spend like a thousand dollars and like no one actually wants to do this. So people believe that it's like a money laundering firm. Okay. Uh, so this, the topic for our pod today, we, um, so we, last part we did with Jess, we wanted to talk a, a bit about Joker, but then we, we didn't get around to it too much. So we'll do it more in, in this episode. But this episode, the, the big theme will be, okay, we're going to try to set, get a sense of what we think or maybe hope or perhaps even fear what a post-Trump pop culture landscape will look like because the last four years, everything had, had you know, Trump, again, that's why I say we're, we're going to kind of miss him because he's been such a dominant presence everywhere mm-hmm. from the moment we wake up we look at twitter or we turn on our tv everything is trump 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 every movie mm-hmm. is supposed to be a referendum every on trump. every every fucking conversation with like any friend or family or co-worker right like uh yeah and yeah. and uh, you know i'm sure if anybody went abroad people would just talk about trump so in the, in the absence what's gonna go on uh but first uh let's I mean, Joker back in the news because apparently david fincher had this interview where um, he referenced Joker, and then uh, he said something about uh, in the movie uh, a betrayal of the mentally ill. <sighs> so then, um, I mean, there's like so many people who still can't let go of the whole Joker drama, which is the whole reason I didn't watch it in the first place, and which is why it just chewed me out in the last episode for taking so long to watch it. <laughs> but people want to have that fight again, and it's, there's a question of, well, was he saying that the movie itself was a betrayal of the it. mentally ill? He didn't Ill? even say it like that, though. Right, I, I think that's the interpretation. Is he saying that the movie itself is a betrayal of the mentally ill, or that the movie is about betrayal of the mentally ill? Because the definitely uh, movie definitely is about how uh, Arthur becomes Joker because uh, he all the cuts to social funding deprives mm-hmm. him of his medication. Mm-hmm. That's one of the big factors. But um, I mean, the, the movie itself I enjoy, but I'm more interested in the whole hoopla around the movie and what it said about its times uh, because. I think kind of like how, you know, if Trump doesn't win, uh, La La Land probably wins Best Picture. You mm-hmm. know, So I think the controversy on Joker, I think, was mainly because of all this pent up anger against Trump and also like Harvey Weinstein. And so it just permeated every aspect. And I think if you're like a mainstream critic, especially if you're a man and you were seen as defending Joker, well, that meant all sorts of horrible things. So, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, 
I, I, I was really, I, you know, I saw this like immediately when it came out in theater and, um, if you've seen Scorsese's Taxi Driver from 76, um, his follow-up, King of Comedy, if you saw um, the 1976 Best Picture winner, Network, you'll see tons of influence and theme and aesthetic. And all those movies are, like, they're heralded as classics by the film community. Mm-hmm. So if Joker is pretty much the same thing and, you know, touches on the same themes, why is Joker itself so loathed? has always been something that's like fascinating to me. I'm just like, what's the difference? Like these are, these are movies that ask like, okay, is society okay? Um, capitalism is wrong. And um, are men okay? It's, I think it's strictly timing. It's like when it came out, right? Cause like you said, the, the uh, anger towards not just Trump and Weinstein, but also like the, the individual men that like would vote for them or support them or, you know, benefit from from what they've uh, wrought in the last 40 years. I think it's strictly about timing. Yeah, but that's so weird to me because like Taxi Driver and Network um, and even like, I guess something more recent, like Fight Club, like these were all like just anger at the establishment. And Joker also has like major anger towards the establishment. And it's like, has like, have has society like, are we no longer mad at the establishment? Like, why not? Well, but but Trump wasn't in office, and he I think he was uniquely just just like set off so many people's like personal sensitivities to all to all these things. When I watched Joker, and you know I, I'm trying to just watch it without all what people said, what it seemed to me was an indictment of cuts to social spending, indictment mm-hmm. against elitism and con- concentration of wealth at the mm-hmm. top, mm-hmm. and to read reviews like like the Time Magazine review where it said this could. Arthur Fleck could be the patron saint of incels. I'm like, what the hell? Like, he wasn't even motivated by sex. Yeah, he was no, he a pretty wasn't. sexless he character. Yeah. Uh, it, not in the sense that he was deprived of sex and was obsessed with it, but he's, um, I don't know. His his main uh, his main dream is to just be a stand up comedian, yeah. find who he thinks is his father, and then he has that uh, imaginary like relationship with his neighbor. But even that's like they're just like going on dates. Maybe they but he was just fantasizing, and- which is what people do when they have a crush. You fantasize right, that and- your crush likes you back. But, but that line in the Time review, like about like specifically the incel movement, right, which is a very specific thing that happened, you know, in the last four years, it completely betrays like the fact that they are. It it is because the movie came out at this time that people are pissed about it, right? Not because of like like the stuff about like you know cuts to social spending and like you know elites at the top. That's pretty. The way they portrayed that was pretty ham-fisted. It wasn't very subtle. Like it was, yeah. it, but it also meant like this is obviously what the director and writer was trying to say about yeah. society, right? Not about fucking incels, right? The incel thing it, it is just. I it think just that shows anyone that, that says anything about incel culture didn't watch the movie. Well, yeah. The, well, I, I think or they watched the movie, but they had they were projected. they were determined. They projected yes, to yes, see that's it a right, certain that's way. Right. Yeah, yeah, or 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 try, try to tie it to certain times, and it was completely incorrect for the reasons that you guys described. Like incels, the hallmark of of incel ideology is um, hatred and and resentment towards women. Was, was there any of that in the Joker? None. I think the answer was no. Right? No. I mean, and that hatred has to be based around sex. It's not like say yeah. a guy who loses out on a promotion and mm-hmm. he hates the woman who got it. No, I mean that can be uh, a side effect of it, but mainly uh, the obsession is to has to do with sex and relationships and that right and this doesn't have any of it which then makes me think that are we just 
is not incel just just like a code for just like a loser especially just like a white guy who's not because like arthur is so do we have to automatically call them losers though just because they're of lower social status well i'm just saying this in a kind of like objective sense like someone of low social status arthur is very low social status right he He has barely he's barely employed lives with his mom no prospects and he's he kind of like sucks at everything he does like he's not a good clown uh his stand-up comedy is horrible and he's like not attractive uh just like emaciated um to almost like a skeleton so he's like uh, he there's no, nothing that qualifies him as like socially valuable he and, has like and, this condition uh, yeah and, and, and uh, the mental condition and everything which his mother his mother also mentally ill tricked him into believing was like a sign that god put him on earth to bring joy to people mm-hmm. that uncontrollable laughing thing that he has yeah yeah uh, but also keep in mind that like they revealed, uh, you know, towards the climax that his mom beat him. Um, yeah. He was adopted and his mom beat him and he has uh, suffered from a head injury. And a head, head injury, if you follow any sort of like, you know, murder shit, like that's how serial killers and like murderers come, come about. Off, not all the time, but like it is one thing that can lead to that kind of uh, violent behavior. And so I think there was some, I think there was some like... Um, crime expert or something who watched the movie and said they did a good job actually like on the kind of quote science side to depict how a joker a joker could be created in this way right yeah and and i think that's actually one of the reasons uh the anti-joker critics hated the movie is because there are explanations as because the, the ultimate uh thing about the movie is that arthur himself is, is a pretty you know weak harmless guy who just mm-hmm. wants to take care of his mom at the beginning but because of these factors he becomes joker and one of them is uh, you know he he gets cut off from his medications another one is simply that people aren't nice to him you know like remember the scene where he kills randall he lets gary uh the little guy live because he says like gary you're the only one who's nice to me but then what Mm -hmm. does that say that means all these uh you know to put it bluntly these like social rejects might have turned out uh, better if we were just nicer to them and then i think a lot of these people who hated joker realize they aren't nice to these people because <laughs> ultimately they have disdain for them they have disdain for the you know as i said the so-called losers of society yeah they have like a in theory it's like they they sympathize with the poor or people with lower social status right abstractly but I think, yeah right but i i think that when they're actually faced with it i think it really is just complete disdain and disgust Okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's, can we dig into that a little bit? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you pro- are you projecting a bit, Chris? Because you know, you you famously don't like these kind of media blue check types. Or is there something from the articles or from their behavior online or whatever that makes you think like, yeah, these guys actually fucking hate like poor, unsuccessful, ugly, you know, uh, people like like you know Arthur in in Joker. Well, we see it a lot. Like, if you just remember, like, during election night, uh, I think, mm-hmm. Philip, you mentioned it, uh, where all these people who supposedly love minorities or working class minorities, as soon as they start voting the way they don't want them to, they start wishing natural disasters upon them. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay. But, uh, but that's, about, like that. that's about politics, right? I'm talking about, like, perception of people who are lesser than us, who are socially less... But- their politics becomes uh, because of that inherent point of view. I think that I think that they see Arthur as like um, a low, like a um, irredeemable a low status person who probably like these are the kinds of people that vote like MAGA or something, you know? Yeah, but but also like Arthur lives in, like a, in a big city. He's probably like somebody who wouldn't vote. 
I think when they picture MAGA people, they, they think of someone like in the movie Hillbilly Elegy, which we'll probably do a pod on sooner or later. Um, but, you know, Ar- Arthur lives in, you know, Gotham City, uh, which, you know, either way would be a s- blue stronghold, like Democratic So he's stronghold. a non-voter, also people that they don't like? Yeah, so I think he's not one of them. He's not helping their cause. If he's not voting, he's not helping them. So, mm-hmm. I, I, so in my mind, I was trying to think like, what would they have wanted the, like a real life Arthur to do? Like, he has all these problems. Obviously, um, you know, him going on a killing rampage is is no good. But I don't know. I, I feel like what they really wanted him to do was just accept his lot in life and just I don't know, join like bluewave.com type of organizations <laughs> that would have been his only acceptable path uh either that that's or just what like it would look like if chris position. evans was cast as arthur fleck <laughs> <laughs> what, what, about, what about this what about this is dark but what about like suicide did they just want him to end it um well i, I don't know I, I don't think they would openly admit it but i, I think they just don't well, want to but think they would about say that's people. a i would say that was a better outcome than like killing a bunch of innocent people even if they are banker bros right um yeah 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 it, uh, I, I agree with you. I just, I'm just trying to understand, like, outside of politics, like, what are these people who have, like, look, you're writing fucking articles for, like, Time and, and like, the fucking New Yorker, right? You're going to be of a different level of status than who is portrayed um, in this movie and who you think that, you know, Arthur represents in greater, like, real-life society. I, I agree that they're going to look down on those people, right? I think, and I think it goes beyond just politics, right? It's just, like, they kind of disgust me. Like, they're kind of, you know, we're, we're going to talk about, um, you know, how kind of poor, like, upper class whites treat treat poor whites and likewise how upper class like or second gen Asians sometimes treat like first gen Asians. I think there's a bit of that like, ooh, you embarrass me and you're not like of my class. And so, you know, get the fuck out of my way. Like there's a bit of that attitude. Yeah, I think there's a great parallel to Asian Americans. Yeah, um, I think that Asian American elites, I think that they hate poor white people more than they hate poor Asian people. Um. I don't know about that because like the Asian poor people remind them way too much of the worst for, or in their view, the worst version of themselves, the one with all the embarrassing attitudes, uh, where, you know, usually about things like affirmative action, what they call like anti-blackness, or even just their whole social ideology of, you know, being too Asian. Cause like the more lower, generally from my observation, the, the kind of lower on the uh, socioeconomic ladder, the as you are as an Asian. The, the more likely that your circle is going to be all Asian, you know, the, mm-hmm. the higher up you go, the more, you know, so-called diverse you get. So th- this is why I'm, I just like hate, like when Asian Americans talk about diversity, of course, I think, you know, getting to know as many different people is good, but often it's a, it's a signifier of your class status. Like I mm-hmm. went to a diverse school where, um, you know, I, I didn't just go to like, say, community college where everyone just from my working class, predominantly Asian and probably like black and Latino neighborhood. I went to a place uh, that had like, a lot of you know upper class minorities and white enlightened white people and this is my social circle look how diverse i am it's totally a class thing uh so uh i think yeah i think asian americans have that same embarrassment of the lower status people in our own group as white people do so basically people have empathy for the poor in theory but in reality like the whole capitalist paradigm fucks it up so they just have resentment for anyone who needs help or what they would consider a handout they have to. They have to put on a show, right? They just. They can't. You, no one can say I hate poor people. You just can't say that. No, right? of course it's just, not. Right, but you can. You can. You know, not say that, but also still hate white, uh, poor people, and that's what's kind of going on here. Yeah, because in the, in their uh, perception, the, the poor people are like uh, a flock of sheep for them to to lead, whether it's to like get votes or you know for them to follow in whatever other like ideology they might have. Uh, so in in their in their mind, it's great. It's kind of like how. Um, 
I don't know, parents might really love their children when they're little babies, but as soon as they grow up and, you know, like being an annoying teenager, they, they start hating them because they start talking back and stuff. It's kind of the same thing where they imagine the poor is, is essentially like leaderless children, which is why they're able to, you know, so-called appreciate them. But as soon as those people start talking back, voicing their own experiences and opinions, oh, no, we can't have that. I think that this is um, a backlash against class reductionism. Like, we, there are lots of movies about poor non-white people that are, like, praised, you know? And they, like, remember mm-hmm. Precious? Oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but, yeah, that was a, you know, so, it was a big like, movie. like, that movie is, yeah. like, beloved by Libs. And then um, in this one, it's like Arthur is a straight white guy. So I think that what they see is, like, how dare a straight white guy, you know, he's like, he, I think that they believe that his main grievance is that, He's poor, but he doesn't believe that, and he's treated poorly, but he believes that he shouldn't be because he's a white guy. Like, they can't get past the fact that he's white. It's a white man. It's a straight white man. And it's like, how dare you feel any anger? You know, like, Arthur is Arthur is probably one of those guys that, like, the um, the woke crowd would probably tell to, like, they would probably say, like, check your privilege, do you think they would ever um, uh, do, you know, you know, like gender bending in movies and like race bending or whatever? Would they ever like like do the same movie with like a black Joker or an Asian Joker? I would actually be very interested in that. Like, would they be able to go as far, like really just like create like a like an antihero of, of that level? Because like the problem is every time there's a minority or a woman, they got to they got to like soft pedal it because they, they don't want to make them seem too bad. But then that just makes them not interesting usually yeah. because. Mm-hmm. So a lot of critics, I really think that they just didn't even watch the movie because a lot of them wrote big pieces <laughs> and stuff they said stuff like i refuse to watch this validation of toxic masculinity which i hate like it's one of my biggest pet peeves for someone to have a ton of thoughts on a movie that they refuse to watch or that they haven't even seen yet yeah oh i remember uh, i'll get back to that point i remember i remember what i wanted to say uh liza you were talking about how they didn't they couldn't stand the fact that uh, arthur was a, was a straight white male therefore undeserving of sympathy i would mm-hmm. actually have more respect for that position when if these people often didn't betray their own like obsession with with straight white men um often like for example the way they're always trying to insert themselves into um works created by uh straight white men if they weren't so already desperate for the approval of straight white men, you mean? Exactly. And, and these are probably the same type of people who instead of, um, you know, doing their own thing uh, would always be like, no, we got to race bend, I don't know, this, uh, like the corrections by Jonathan Franzen or something, even though they're always going off on about, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, you know, David Copperfield and um, uh, what's the, la- Anne Boleyn, that's the latest one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's like, oh, like you hate white men, but you want to be in, in his court. You want to be Henry VIII's wife or something. It's, it's just like it's such. <laughs> that's the that's the bullshit with this. Like, it just betrays their own like <laughs> neuroses and obsession. Be like, okay, if you really want to say that, uh, just like, totally detach yourself and then go create your own universe, which I actually I have a ton of respect for, but not 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 the way they do it. How much of this is because the director Todd Phillips is just not part of that elite inner circle? Like he's never oh, made yeah, yeah, prestige too, films yeah. before. This now, is the guy he, that came from. What did he from, do? What else did he do? He's done like old school. He's done. Um, yeah. He does all those like bro comedies. Yeah, he's yeah. the Hangover. He did the Hangovers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I hate the Hangover, but I'm not gonna like be. I'm I'm trying not to be like okay, I just because I hate that one movie, I'm gonna discount everything he does from that. But I think some of these people, I think I think in the time review, they 
uh, the reviewer specifically says like, oh, this director of like frat comedies, which I don't like either. But again, I'm not going to just, I'm going to try not to let that cloud my judgment on, on whatever he does like decades later. That they did this, they did this with, um, what is his name? One of the Farrelly brothers also directed a movie that went all the way to best picture. Was it Green Book? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. They did that with him too. Yeah. Although I think Green Book uh, had some legit problems, but yeah, it, it just goes to show you this is just like insider, interpersonal drama, yeah. resentments about maybe twenty years ago, a Todd Phillips got to direct these movies that I never got to direct, or people from my group never got to direct, and now, I mean, like ultimately in the end, Joker just won. You know, it it won critically, it uh-huh. won commercially. Um, it's done way better than any of the you know woke movies that that have come out recently, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's what drives them crazy, right? Because they told right, everyone what, to yeah, not yeah, exactly. see it, and everybody went to go see it, and it stayed in the conversation forever. And people just didn't listen to them. They they were just like, oh, you told me not to go see this movie. Okay, I, well, I'm definitely going to go see it now. And you know, I want to make it clear. I don't think that you know movies that are you know so-called woke cannot be good i think though the problem is that people are working backwards from an all too explicit agenda like we gotta get this message out and let's create a story to support that message Mm, when mm -hmm. i think and i think most a lot of people would agree that you know the best art uh whether it's like high art or like middle low art is it it just has to come naturally and Mm -hmm. whatever your beliefs are it'll be probably it'll manifest itself in the work you do because you're pouring so much of yourself into it but when you get too ham-fisted with it uh, it just looks clumsy. And I think in the last four years, the problem was everyone was so conscious. Oh, I got to make sure that I don't look bad or, uh, you know, <laughs> that I won't get canceled because of, of Trump in office. And that's Let's why so much of this these, stuff. these like social shit. justice consultants. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that these people exist. I mean, how can you even like, just think of like the best movies, books, whatever. And just think of somebody like watching over your shoulder whom you're paying probably like hundreds of dollars an hour. So th- to consult with on whether this page or this line. Yeah, what line would Gone is with the Wind look like? <laughs> yeah, or, or you know, even even ones recently, or like West Side Story. Actually, that's exactly what they are doing to West Side Story. Spielberg is remaking West Side Story, so it's a little bit more um, uh, social justicey. It's gonna be so bad. Yeah, it just, it, it, I think it just has to come from within. You know, so if you are, if you have beliefs that are egalitarian and righteous, it'll come through. You don't need to pay a fucking consultant who's going to ruin everything, just like all consultants do. So, Do, do you guys think that um, there's going to eventually be a, a kind of like course correction from the super representational, super woke approach to movies that we have right now because the market is responding to, um, you know, resistance towards that? Like, like as a couple of examples, Joker won, right? Like, you know, made almost, I think, a billion bucks in like profits or something insane. And then there's the whole like Sonic the Hedgehog versus, was it Birds of Prey or? Yeah, the, one yeah. of the silliest uh, online dramas I've ever seen. Uh, the last movie I saw in theaters is Sonic the Hedgehog, which is pretty fun. <laughs> and then I watched Birds of Prey on TV um, a couple weeks ago. It's so bad. Oh yeah, you tweeted about. It. I saw your tweet on like that. Like just plain, just like I, I take all the messaging out. Like just don't even pay attention to it. And like Sonic is a better movie, and Birds of Prey is a horrible movie. I'm not saying even which is a better movie. I'm saying people paid more money to go see Sonic than Birds of Prey on that opening weekend. Doesn't that tell the directors, producers, writers, like actors, etc., that maybe we should stop trying to make movies like this, or maybe we need to like rethink it a little bit? I think so, and especially with the uh, the pressure of Trump now gone, I'm hoping yes, that yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. that avenue will now be open because I think what Joker 
I mean, I watched the movie and, you know, I liked it. I don't think it was like mind blowing, but I, I mm-hmm. liked it. But what I really appreciated about Joker was that it showed you that, you know, take risks, do something that's controversial and you'll mm-hmm. be rewarded for it as opposed to, you know, very safe, um, you know, movies that, that want to seem like radical, but actually aren't because they're pl- they're preaching to the choir. The problem is that like these lib gatekeepers, you know, they're, they're actually it. They're actually pushing back harder than ever now. Like if you think about what's been happening in the media in the past few weeks, it's like, look at the people who have been discredited and fired for saying something that doesn't fit like the popular woke narrative. Like Green, Glenn Greenwald has, mm-hmm. you know, he had to resign from his own publication. Um, Matt Taibbi gets it constantly because he defends people like him. Um, Lee Fang is someone that everybody seems to hate. But I'm going to go with small potatoes here. Uh, last night, I was on Twitter just checking out what's happening. This hashtag was like fire Gina Carano was somewhat trending. She's um, from The Mandalorian? Yeah, and yeah, I, I don't yeah, watch The yeah. Mandalorian, so I have no idea what this was about. But I apparently thought she's... Trend, I thought that trended like a month ago. This is it's coming up again. Well, I guess no, people no, are trying to revive do, it. She, uh, so like season two of Mandalorian is out. She's not in any of the episodes yet. But I think that it's I, I think it's um, her politics outside of The Mandalorian. Like That's her, right. Exactly. Her exactly. So I was trying to find out. I was trying to find out what why people are doing this, and apparently she's right-wing. she like yeah she's right wing. She like likes or retweets like Trumpy stuff, which is like okay, whatever. Uh, but then I saw some people trying to cancel, being like, oh, uh, fire her because she doesn't have pronouns in her socials. I'm like, oh what really? The is fuck? that what yeah. it is? <laughs> well, I think it's part of it because they also accuse her of being transphobic. Because okay, I can understand if she were why saying why is she transphobic. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she like liked or retweeted something about you know men are men or women are women that kind of thing. But like, okay, so in context, like she's a UFC fighter too, right? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Hmm. I thought that's where she came from. I mean, it, it would probably make sense if she's like an action hero or something. Um, but I thought like people now trying to get people fired for not having pronouns on their bio <laughs> was just like, what? who is this serving? Because, okay, so this is why... Like 99% of people would be fired like tomorrow. <laughs> no, I think, that, I think that as the public pushes back on um i think that as the public pushes back and just wants like you know just more subversive seemingly non-political content i think that these kinds of people that push for that like that that outrage mob i think that they're just going to push back harder because they were made much more relevant under trump and like they're just going to lose relevance now like what what do people do when they start to lose relevance they they, they double down and they push harder and, and this whole thing about uh, you know fire her because she doesn't have pronouns okay that, that's like not <laughs> helping or hurting anyone is to that have like an actual thing or is that just one person texting that i, I saw that? i saw several people doing it yeah, you if, know someone, that mindset if someone is said that I, I bet it's either not a bot but like i bet it's someone's faking it like I, I i don't think it's an actual web it's just too ridiculous to say something that idiotic well i don't, I don't know like we can i think we often overestimate people online <laughs> but i uh, the reason i like I mean, I say I say this a lot nowadays, but you know, at its core, I still believe in the importance of, you know, your identity affecting your worldview and ha- having people understand that you know we're not all just a set of like policy points, etc. But the way these people use it, it's obvious that they're all just trying to uh, gain leverage on each other. It's all just social jockeying within their clicks okay and it's like oh i got pronouns on my uh bio but then this other person's like, well i got neo pronouns on my twitter uh do you guys know what neo pronouns are i just found out what this is no please, please it's please like don't. even like he she they them is like i guess too traditional now they just like 
do random spelling uh to be even more i guess ambiguous about gender and so it's it i think it's a very small corner of it but you know that the people who adhere to it do it essentially to elbow out uh to outwoke each other so this is all just your own uh social drama it's just classic uh social jockeying and it's doing nothing to probably act- help actual like trans people or gay people or minorities or whoever you claim you're helping mm-hmm. so it's just like well, fuck off then. Okay, a couple of couple <laughs> facts on Gina Carano. She she was a former MMA um, competitive fighter. So one and two. Okay, her 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 most recent tweet, thirteen hours ago on Twitter, um, is this a picture that says Democratic government leaders now recommends we all wear blindfolds along with masks so we can't see what's really going on. So I guess I see why people are pissed at her. But should she be fired? I don't know. I mean, like, should Chris Pratt be fired for whatever the fuck people were upset about him? Uh, recently because he's yeah because he he's in Hillsong is, or whatever he's religious well, they like he never even said he voted for trump right they just think mm-hmm. that they he, would he would probably vote would. for yeah, trump yeah. because he's like in some evangelical church you know who cares he's an entertainer and he's not he's like what the fourth most popular chris anyway why do you people care so much that's that's the really disturbing part like okay if he is a trump supporter whatever like that sucks but he's uh, in the end he's just an actor he's not your best friend he's not your father he's not your brother so he doesn't make policy most important yeah these people are just way too overinvested and he's still getting work so i don't know if cancel culture is actually working out because i think he's still being employed in Big TV shows and movies, so, you know. Yeah, so I, I understand. That's, like, ridiculous. Like, suddenly we're going to, like, we're going to get, like, we're going to get people fired because they go to a certain church that you don't like. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, like, you know, ultimately it goes down to, like, punishing individuals uh, and right, then making right. yourself mm-hmm. feel good about it. Even though you've, like, the bad you've done, which is, like, ruin someone's life, is outweighs the marginal good you might have done by i don't know like i guess creating a a, a culture no it doesn't it doesn't whatever. help it's just like i don't think it helps at all i don't think it helps anybody all it does is um i think it makes people very resentful and i think that it also discredits your own movement when you do things like that no it does like, especially when they do it uh when it's obvious that when it's their friends or themselves who get caught doing the same thing, then they, let, they get a yeah, pass. They give them a that's, pass. That's what's really damaging. Like Joanne okay. Reed. Yeah, or or you know, the, or any of those people who then they're like, oh yeah, I'm sorry, and then people are like, okay, it's okay. Uh, you know, you grew up under these so-called circumstances. But then I gotta say, even for like a straight white guy, he grew up under circumstances. Maybe he was raised in a. I don't know, very right-wing household. Mm-hmm. And then it took him until he was like 30-something to break out of that. Shouldn't we sort of help him get out of it? But no, yeah. the, the, when it comes to them, it's just like, oh yeah, you did something at 12, your 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 life should be ruined forever because you should have known better. It's just total <laughs> bullshit. Again, these this is why these people suck. They're turning like people like us into sympathizing with <laughs> people. Yeah, I know. We should be like- I, of, I never thought uh, that I would be one of those people that like- suddenly decides like you know what i think that the first amendment you know i I think that some of those people that advocate for it do have a point (laughs) i also can't believe that like fighting for the first amendment is like a right-wing issue now like they're the ones that are pushing for free speech and like it's it's like liberals that are pushing it's i saw a lot of leftists too they're the ones who are also pushing for like no less free speech it must be policed it's a pretty clever. It's a pretty cl- clever jujitsu move from like the right, right? Like they, you know, they're really playing it up so that, that they're the they're on the right side of history because it sounds correct. It sounds correct that you know you should be able to say what you want, which you should, right? But but uh, they're really using it as a you know, it's ammunition given to them to some extent by 
by uh, liberals. Yeah, I think it underscores the point that when most people talk about ideology, what they're talking about is like a, like a post-talk layering of, of their original drive, which is based on self-interest. As most people, I think, uh, including myself, are, because we're not, we're not like abstract philosophers when we're born. We have... We believe in certain things because we experience life in a certain way. We're like, okay, I'd rather have this than that because like this sucks for me. And then you come up with an ideology, try to work it all out. And then I think if you're a more moral person, you go and revisit that ideology and be like, okay, these parts don't line up. So maybe this part I got to fix, even if it's not in my best interest. But if you're if you're not particularly, I don't know, thoughtful or intelligent or something, you let all these contradictions just fly because hey maybe it helps you in certain times and it doesn't and i think that's why you you see you know so-called progressives sometimes turn extremely right-wing or they sound extremely right-wing because they haven't course corrected because they they don't realize that uh pursuing their interests in this case like maybe um free speech doesn't help them because they're in charge of culture or government or something and they they don't realize they're actually sounding extremely right-wing but they don't care because it serves them for the time being and that's their only guiding light yeah, it's bad when fascists start calling you fascists, You know, right? Fincher is actually, <laughs> David Fincher is, he told um, he told some UK newspaper in an interview that he was planning on, he was planning on directing a miniseries on cancel culture for Netflix. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he sees that as um, the monster in today's society. So yeah. I'm excited about that. I actually think that he would do it because... You know, David Fincher wasn't always like the darling that made um, the, the the Hollywood darling that directed Mank, and like is probably going to get I don't know Best Picture, Best Director this yeah, he's, year. Isn't he? Isn't he notorious for kind of like being really hard on his actors? I don't know, but I, I do know that. I do know that this is the guy that made Seven and Fight Club, and Fight Club was so contentious back in the day. Hmm. Like, like Fight Club was like the Joker of its day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. And right now, the anti-Joker crowd is, uh, you know, holding up David Fincher as like a hero because they think he's bad mouthing Joker. But I think he's soon he going to get retroactively so canceled. They just misinterpreted right, this is what he actually him. Yeah. said. He said, "I don't think anyone would have looked at that material uh, talking about Joker and thought." Yeah, let's take Travis Bickle and Rupert Pupkin and conflate them, then trap them in a betrayal of the mentally ill, and then trot him out for a billion dollars. Right. So the contention is, what what is that betrayal of the mentally ill referring to? Is it about the movie itself, or is it the, the story within the movie? So that's the contention. But let, let's even take them at their word and say he was bad-mouthing the movie. Today, he's a hero. Tomorrow, he's going to get canceled because I heard that in um, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo he just like really uh, went all Kubrick on uh, Mara Rooney. And I think they even might have had a relation. Like, I don't know. I think there were rumors that they were like hooking up or something. But isn't she married to Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah. Maybe this was before. Maybe it was during. I have no idea. But uh, like older director, younger actress woman, you know, that's going to yeah, piss them off. And obviously, <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously Fight Club, uh, the like the... It's like that movie that uh, you know is held up as the most toxically masculine movie. But it has like there's like this revisionist history all of a sudden where every all of a sudden like the same people that hated Fight Club back in 1999 when it came out suddenly it's like all this praise for it, you know. Well, I think it's because like uh, Fight Club has stood the test of time. So these people are, I think, pretty bad at actually judging art. Um, objective because they're so swayed by current opinion and they're so <laughs> image conscious so that 
you know, if they were a cr- critic back then, they probably would have badmouthed it. But now it's like 20 years later, uh, uh, it's safer because... Uh, I- Okay, so so Fight Club, Fight Club, and Joker—they're both movies that explore men's masculinity, and then they go all anarchy, and they kind of like Fight Club kind of explores like vague mental illness, and um, like Fight Club came out before toxic masculinity was in common usage, but both movies kind of broadly tell um, allegorical stories about these middle-aged white guys who grow so um, alienated from the world around them that they just disassociate altogether. And then they like use violence as a possible road towards, um, I guess, personal agency. But what's weird is that Cl- Fight Club was made in the Clinton years, and it was his follow up to Seven. So he's a pretty dark guy. Um, I, I mean, like going back to the whole like uh, interpretation of Joker thing, I think it's fine for art critics to interpret art movies in this case in its in its time. Like, in, like what were the conditions at this time? that led to the creation of this movie, right? I think mm-hmm. it's fine to, to look into that. The problem is that they just, they completely misinterpreted it and, and linked it to incels, a movement that had really nothing, if you actually look at the contents of the movie, to do with, um, you know, to do with uh, uh, what was actually going on. And it, it, again, just betrays their own kind of personal interest and personal grievances, right? So they linked it to a personal thing, which is like kind of, like not, not wasn't useful in the, in the reviews and the critique. Um, but I don't think it's bad to say like, hey, like what was going on at the time that led to a fight club, that led to a Joker, and and then later like revisit it and say, hey, was it still relevant? Was this, did this make sense? That's that's mm-hmm. all fine, right? Because you have to re- when you when you do art critique, you have to think about context. You can't not think about context, right? Yeah, yeah. And you we'll, do. We'll, we'll debate this another day because because I think Liza and I may disagree on like um, Roman Polanski and like you know his movies um, and and what he or not Roman Woody Woody um, what's his face. Woody Allen. Woody Allen and like his movies and the fact that he like uh, married very young people and so on. Like you got to take his life course into uh, context when talking about his art. You, you know, you can't just avoid that and live in a vacuum. But whether or not you should like cancel the guy over this, I, I don't know. That's, that's no. uh, probably probably a bit strong ham-fisted and a bit strong-armed. Uh, one last thing I want to say about the well, about Joker, since Philip, you brought it up. I just want to read this uh, short uh, little clip from the mm-hmm. New Yorker review by Richard Brody that has has like aged terribly in just like one year. He says, <laughs> and I quote, "But the crucial parody, the crucial mockery, the w- work of which Joker comes off as a callously commercial imitation, is Black Panther, a comic book based movie that infuses <laughs> its framework with rigorously conceived and boldly assertive political visions to go with its elaborate world building." That is a terrible mini paragraph i mean i think at this point i think even black people are kind of embarrassed about black panther just because it was it was just like a birthday cake of a movie it like didn't really say anything um whatever and it just and this is like the premier art critic for the new yorker you, you can you can or movie critic you can just sense because he's like an older white guy presumably straight you can just feel the nervousness like if you read the whole review it's about him every paragraph trying to prove how how woke he is um, and it's just like, oh, this review is terrible. <laughs> so, so my, my, my issue also, um, going back to what Philip was saying is like, yeah, it's totally okay to like critique a movie, but also like they, they function in such a mob mentality way where it's like one critic from a major publication trashes a movie and it's like, they all have to take the same stance without seeing the movie. You know, it's like, they're all just plagiarizing off of each other. They made they made yeah. their minds up already. Is what you're saying, right? Like yes, based yeah. on their own. Like it's like oh, so this is a stance that we are all supposed to take. And okay, 
I will also take that stance and I will write my piece and um, either I won't watch it and I'll just like feed off of my colleagues or I will watch it, but I will, I will, I, I am determined to see it the same way that my colleagues see it. The, and the if I see is, it a different way, I won't say anything because I'm afraid that I'm going to get canceled. But I don't even know if they're like sharing notes or if there's like an evil cabal of like woke. They don't need you know, to. Just go on Twitter. Or whatever. Is this, is this the, the conditions? Well, because if you, take a, if you take a separate, if you take a different stance from all of your colleagues, you're shunned. But what I'm saying is it's not, it's not explicit. Like they don't like go sharing their drafts and then decide to all like pull like press the post button with the same take no right? but they all the pro- read each other's pro- work yeah they, they read each other's works and their works have created and and like the you know the environment has created this um context where you can't like you you know you have to write this like woke review you you can't stray away from it because of the last four years of trump because of the rise of you know all these like mra movements and all this stuff like you you know you have to oppose it so i think what going back to what we we're trying to say at the beginning is now with trump out are there conditions where people can stop you know, interpreting art in this way or making art in this in this fashion. I, we're saying we hope so, right? My hope we is hope yes. So. I think Liza is right in that these people will become even more entrenched because at this point they can't backtrack. But hopefully that they'll have like shrunk. They're, it, it's like when you have like a swelling in your brain and the, but then if, if they <laughs> decrease the swelling, there's like less pressure so you can like think straight again. Um, hopefully that will happen. And I, I, I uh, Philip, I think you were talking, uh, we were chatting once about there's going to be this kind of like rump end of like woke, agenda, like explicitly like two ham-fisted woke agenda stuff that's going to come out. It's going to look kind of dumb because mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Gossip Girl. Right. I want to talk about that. They're yeah. <laughs> remaking Gossip Girl, except all the lead characters are either minorities or uh, like LGBTQ, which I find hilarious. Gossip Girl was like a horrible, horrible crew of people. They were all like Upper East Side one percenters whose parents worked at like hedge funds, you know? Exactly. And these are horrible people. Like making them diverse doesn't make them good people. They're, they, they're horrible. Right. And I don't I even guess think that's, it's I guess that that's the goal, though. I guess is that. Is that where it is? It's like, oh, we're diverse and like we're like LGBT, but also we're like morally like depraved. Like, are are like even even brown gay people can be bad? I, morally I'm, yeah. right. no, even brown gay people can be Chuck Bass. Is that what they're saying? Or is it <laughs> is Chuck Bass now good because he's brown and gay? Which totally destroys the whole <laughs> philosophy, like founding principle of Gossip Girl. Nobody wants to watch nice Gossip Girl. People watch it because it's a total soap opera. It's like Dynasty for teenagers. But now. <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking now they got to, again, soft pedal it because they don't actually want to show, they don't feel like they can show these, like, you know, minorities as bad people. So now they're going to be like, oh, yeah, maybe like, uh, I don't know, like Latina Blair is a is a total bitch, but it's because she comes from this like difficult household. Like, no, that, we don't want to see that. That's not the whole point of Gossip Girl. But um, it does seem ridiculous. I mean, first of all, it's like these places are not diverse anyway. And it's total just, uh, it's wishful thinking that, like the children of the 1% of New York City are actually full of minorities and, you know, LGBTQ and these people aren't bullied uh, or like ostracized at the top. Total wish fulfillment fantasy. Um, by they the assimilate 1%. and become like those people? Right. So this is essentially propaganda uh, by of the 1% by the 1%. Oh, look how, look how great we are, right? So <laughs> even if Trump won, this would be ridiculous. But now that he's lost, hopefully it'll just be like, okay, well, what the hell were we thinking? <laughs> we were 
in Trump fever land for four years. So mm-hmm. okay, let's I don't even know if this. I can hate watch it. Like I, I don't like to hate watch things. I got, I, yeah, I don't have. I've got better things to do with my time. Um, so yeah, for, forget that. But as I said, I do hope Joker shows people that hey, um, you don't have to listen to these critics. They don't really know what they're talking about, which is why I think they're still trying to fight this Joker thing because they were proven wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it, it proved proved wrong so badly that um they still want to try to find a way to to make it as seem as if they won i mean we can kind of talk about the the last jedi which um just became such a stupid fight because i you know i thought it was an okay movie you know as good or as bad as the force awakens which i also didn't like but then it just became such a referendum on who you were as a person so if you didn't like rank the last jedi in your like top two star wars movies that meant you were a racist misogynist transphobe whatever <laughs> and then people were calling it like the absolute worst which is ridiculous because i mean phantom menace is unwatchable and <laughs> i'm saying that as someone who likes attack of the clones okay phantom menace oh, is I love unwatchable. Attack of the clones and i also <laughs> like revenge of the sith yeah i mean i think People generally like Revenge of the Sith. That's not. I actually uh, do like the there. prequels better than the new sequels. Look, I'm just there for the six lightsaber fights. Okay. Hey, the lightsaber fights were very well done. They were in, very uh, done. In yes, the prequels. yes. But um, yeah, just the the, the Last Jedi stuff was so dumb. It just uh, Asians were so embarrassing when the Last Jedi came out. Oh my god, that was so bad. Remember, there was that um, like there was that Kelly Mary Tran crying on the red carpet, and then this movie producer who's and who's there was probably, like a whole rally for Kelly Marie Tran at like San Diego Comic Con. Oh Jesus Christ! Because she got all that harassment. No, I think what they were was celebrating. The harassment her. over. Because they didn't like her character, which I think had a valid point. Because she was oh, well, she the was like a nuisance. Sucked, yeah, nu- she was a nuisance in the movie. Uh, even she was willing to to destroy the whole um new alliance remember when like finn's about to do the the randy quaid thing um you know going right into the heart of the big oh, laser. You mean from randy quaid from independence day yeah 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 she was, the, uh, <laughs> finn was gonna do the same thing yeah. and then she pushes That's him off reference. course uh and he's like what the hell like I, I i'm happy that things worked out for the alliance at the end but you were <laughs> If you succeeded and everything went to plan, they would have been destroyed. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think that um, Randy Quaid's scene in Independence Day might have had more like emotional um, resonance for me. Oh, for sure. When I watched oh, it as definitely. a kid, that was that was heroic. This like <laughs> this guy who you think is a total loser, psycho, deadbeat dad, drunk, all these like bad things. Uh, he saves the world. Yeah, he steps up. Um, and it was it was very well done. Yeah, he had like those mixed kids too. Remember that? Oh yeah, they were like I think they were like half Latino or something. Oh right? okay, I thought they were half Asian because I was like, how how does he have these kids? <laughs> oh, I think he like lives somewhere in the south, so I assumed they were uh, half Latino because it just it just made sense. Uh, okay. Demographically, but. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think one of the things I want to see more of going, you know, now that Trump's out of office is like, let's stop making everything so much about him. And I think it also caused uh, increased infantilization of uh, liberal, progressive, everyone like center or left. I think it's no coincidence that uh, romantic comedies in YA uh, suddenly exploded under Trump because I think it was oh all about, yeah, we just want to feel good again. Um that is okay, but of course it's very one-sided. Because if anybody outside their group wants to feel good, then that's that's problematic. You know. You know, you, you I should... actually think that like um, diversity efforts in in the um, 
in media in the 90s and the 80s actually did a better job because they just like they just randomly insert just like these people and there's like no context context given you know like randy quaid for example in independence day just made me think of it like he just has like these mixed kids for like no reason at all they're just they're just there and it's like that's that is what it would look like if like some guy just showed up and he had like mixed kids they wouldn't make yeah. a thing of it they would just be like oh okay i guess mom's not white or like or like um like in bill and ted's excellent adventure remember the genghis khan <laughs> oh, I still haven't watched that movie, Liza. I know you referenced it before in a pod, and I was like, "Oh, I don't." Have I? I, don't. I guess <laughs> I think about it a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> it comes up a lot when I think about like diversity and representation in the '80s. I'm like, "Oh yeah, Bill and Ted. Nothing wrong with it. It was better than The Hangover." Yeah, don't get me started on the uselessness of um, sensitivity readers in young adult literature. Oh my god, yeah, and then it causes people to like self cancel their own books before it even comes out, which I can't even understand. I, I, I mean that. If, if that happened to me, I, I, I mean, I would hope. I mean, you never know when you're in that position, but I would just go fight, fighting to the death. You know, I, I yeah. work so hard on this thing. And, you know, which maybe goes to show these people don't even really care you that know, much about I their think own that work. They, I, don't know. I think that they search for problems where there aren't any so they can keep themselves in business. So they keep calling out the authors and filmmakers and like they unleash the outrage mob on them on Twitter. And then it scares people into hiring like these social justice consultants and these sensitivity readers, or else they face the same like career ending fate. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. A, it's a response to cancel culture, right? Like if they if they know that they can be canceled for these things, then why would yeah, they? Yeah, they go after like new authors. Notice that like they don't go after they don't go after well they go after J.K. Rowling, but she puts herself out there. But I mean like aside from her, like in the young adult um, genre. They go after people who are like releasing their their debut novel, yep, and they ruin their the career before it even starts. All because they didn't hire a sensitivity reader, or you know, they didn't hire, um, I don't know, some social justice Canc- consultant, cancel, whatever. Cancel culture is keeping those people in, in employment. Yeah, it is. About it. Yeah, cancel fucked. culture keeps them in business. They keep getting hired. It's just a never ending cycle. I think that these people, these are the kinds of people that are going to go even harder. Yeah, or even if you aren't actually benefiting professionally, it must be a huge power trip. Because I'm guessing these people weren't exactly the most like popular kids in school and all that. So what it, mu- makes it you must think be that a- they weren't fun. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think it is it is a example Life of power of corrupting party. everyone. <laughs> you you get a little taste of being the bully. Um, not only that, but you also get Why does to- that make you feel good though to like now it's my turn to be the bully? Because it's a dark human impulse, uh, at you know that we all have. You're a sensitivity uh, you know, reader. Included. You're a social justice consultant. Well, I, I think, but I think that this is all just a cover for the human desire to exercise power over others. Even mm-hmm. better when you can cover it up and call it uh, righteous social and just. justice, civil rights. Right. <laughs> I mean, really, you you take away that kind of language, it just looks like like bullying. That's what it comes down to in the end. It, yeah, it does. Yeah, so. Again, it's it's that dark human nature that uh, that people are indulging in and calling it something good. I think that in subversive art, it was it was never like that wokeness was never going to be there anyway, and I don't think it's going to be there now. But I think it, that the fight will be in mainstream art. It's going to yeah. be in our TV shows, and it's going to be in the movies that we watch and uh, the books that we read. I do think though that uh, if if because uh, we see a lot of this in. in um, like certain things are constantly canceled for not being uh, 
approved. You know, Dave Chappelle, something like Chapo Trap House, Joker. They're not getting canceled, dude. Like, what? What? What does that mean? I thought like, that no Dave one's... Chappelle was the uncancelable one, and he's yeah, like the he's, liberal that's what I'm saying. Though, people. People they, want to, but they can't. People try to. They fail. He keeps uh-huh. making more money, getting more shows, getting more like Rogan, SNL. Rogan's another example. No, it's not possible. And I'm not saying I like all of these things, but it is showing that you can survive and even become very successful despite disapproval mm-hmm. from a certain... You'll be outside the establishment and you'll be shunned by them and people will write think pieces about why you're horrible. And it's like, it's like a, um, it shows like um, the decay of American society that everybody like, you know, is gravitates towards these people. I mean, maybe in light of being canceled, you become more powerful. <laughs> no, exactly. I think so. I think uh, there could be like a bifurcation of of culture. It just increases more where one side, uh, as you said, Liza, will just actually get louder and louder. But they're not going to be able to control as much of the the space anymore because time and time again, um, it's being proven. Hey, you can actually thrive outside of their approval. Mm-hmm. What about someone like a J.K. Rowling? Someone who really got canceled. She's like her books are still like bestsellers. Um, remember they? when they tried to cancel My Dark Vanessa? That was a huge bestseller. Uh, mm-hmm. And what, what's that one? The one about the, the American Latino, Dirt. Le- American Dirt, hugely I read successful. That one. I mm-hmm. like that book. Right, right, and and ultimately, it it doesn't really matter what these people say. And as I said before, I think that's their biggest fear that they can be loud as they want, but nobody really listens. And especially, I think with Trump gone, their their importance is going to be even lessened because we're not in constant fear that it's, there's going to be like a fascist takeover. When does J.K. Rowling's next book come out? Then, well, it recently came out. The no, one, the, the one about the, the one about the cross dressing murderer. I yeah, think so. I think I think that was like in in the UK, especially. I think that was a yeah. huge bestseller. Huh. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> uh huh. I was expecting like some gigantic uh, backlash. I wasn't planning on reading it. I mean, I'm not. That the the people doing the backlash was a small little group of people online, and everyone else just went and bought the book, I guess. So, <laughs> or even or even there was a, a huge backlash online, but it didn't matter, which is even worse for these people yeah. because there was a recent uh, study that showed that most I, again it's it's like the the eighty twenty rule when it comes to Twitter. It's like twenty percent of people generate eighty percent of the online activity, and the majority of those people are are liberals. So, yeah, you can dominate the online space, especially on a place like Twitter. But in the grand scheme of things, it's really not that big. And you're just talking to your own echo chamber. Meanwhile, all the people you hate, thriving. (laughs) (laughs) Offline, they're like making a billion dollars. They're just going to swim in their pool of money. (laughs) It's kind of like, I think over the last five or 10 years, like one of the most successful shows on TV was a show called Blue Bloods, which is about, I think, cops. Um, but nobody on social media even knew of it because we were too busy talking about girls or um, other low-rated shows. That, oh yeah, Broad City or other similarly relatively low-rated shows like niche shows that nevertheless captured the the critic class and and the of that same like social mindset. Meanwhile, these other shows are like actually dominating uh, the rest of the people's uh, attention, and we just don't know anything about it. And we don't care. <laughs> so I, I think this is a, uh, we got to kind of wrap it up here, but this is a very expansive topic that we'll revisit again and again because I, I, I'm very curious what this post-Trump pop culture landscape will look like. So mm-hmm. any, any last thoughts before we sign off? Mm-mm. No, I think that's good. I mean, all I got to say is that like we had to stop these articles. The trouble with them is that they're all interpreting things like the Joker through an ID, ID poll and representation lens. We got to stop doing that, right? And maybe now's the time.
Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we'll revisit this topic. So, listeners, thanks for listening, and then join us next time for another episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.